but Lord, I ask you to come have your way tonight, move in power. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would right now get us locked in and focused and we bind any hindrance to the Word of God. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, that you would help us, Lord, anoint our eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us good, fertile soil. Let the Word of God go out of my mouth in the good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. Seeds of truth, living truth that will be sown into good fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, and bring forth a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains as it takes root and lives are transformed. That's good. Because I know it's going to be uncomfortable standing there. That's fine. Thank you. But I want to get into the Word. All right. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Just find a place where you're at to have a seat. Come on in. And just stay like you are, okay, in an attitude of worship. As I'm talking about operating in the supernatural, but what the Lord is putting on my heart to speak about primarily is the Lord is wanting me to deal with the holiness and purity that has to be there for the flow of God's power. So let me jump into this, but I want everybody to pray this out loud. In Jesus' name, I ask you, Heavenly Father, Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, touch my heart, touch my mind, and give me the grace to get everything out of this sermon and this service that's your will. I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just get something if you want to take some notes real fast. I'm going to jump into this. But listen, God's will for us is to be flowing in the power of God. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? God's will for you and for me is to be a conduit of his power. But I'm going to tell you, for God's power to flow through your life, you have got to be a pure vessel. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? As we get into God's presence, God begins to deal with us about things that previously we did not see in our lives. How many knows that's true? Just like Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the greatest prophets that probably ever lived. Isaiah saw the... Uh, the kingdom of Israel through, as a prophet, saw them through some really difficult times. Isaiah prophesied probably the most accurate and articulate prophecy in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 53, he prophesied about Jesus and his coming, his death, and the power of what Jesus paid for us to have on the cross. He was a mighty man of God. But what you've got to understand is in the early part of his writing, Whenever Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord, when he was in God's presence, in God's glory, that's whenever the Holy Spirit began to reveal to him the sin that was in his life. And what Isaiah saw was that he was a man of unclean lips. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he said, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And he was convicted by the Holy Spirit... He was convicted of the sin in his life to get it dealt with. 
so that God could use him in a powerful way. How could God use Isaiah to be a prophet whenever he was supposed to be speaking the pure word of God, but his mouth was full of filth? God had to touch his mouth and clean it out before he could be the vessel of purity that God wanted him to be. And this is what I have felt this whole day as I've been seeking the Lord in prayer about tonight is I feel this, and I want everybody that's going to be um, with me in the future as we cross the promised land and God is doing great things, I want you to really give me your best ear and hear me because this is important. But the Lord is not going to have hypocritical compromising vessels that he's going to pour his spirit in and through you if you've got sin in your life. He's not going to operate through your mouth and have his pure words going out of your mouth, prophetic words, sermons, different things coming out of your mouth if your mouth is defiled with gossip and other things or or whatever it is. He's not going to fill your heart with revelation if your heart is defiled with bitterness. He's not going to flow through you healing and other things unless you're a pure vessel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what I felt the Lord tell me about this service is this. I felt that he, and this is the reason why I think that things have taken the turn that it did. But I felt the Lord tell me that he was going to stand back a little bit and he was going to see how people truly responded to his word tonight. Because if people really respond in humility and repentance and they really let God do a work, I really believe that things are going to go up a notch big time in the very near future, maybe even tonight after the sermon. But it's going to be how people respond to his word. We're all going from glory to glory. We've all had times in our lives when we were not doing good spiritually and God had to get a hold of us, amen? But once he's got you, he wants to clean you up so that he can use you. But what a lot of people do is, is they have their things in their life that they're willing to get rid of, and they say, okay, Lord, I'll do that. I'll get rid of this, 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 and this. And then they draw a line in the sand, and they say, but I'm not getting rid of that. Whatever that is right there is the idol in their life, and it's the very thing that the enemy is going to use to begin to pull them down spiritually. You hear what I'm saying? Whatever it is. Whatever that is in somebody's life is going to be what the enemy tries to come in and grab them and pull them down. The Lord wants us to be vessels that will lay before him like a sacrifice on the altar, lay before him and let his holy fire consume us and burn out everything that needs to go. But the same light of God's truth, the same light that will melt wax is also the same light that will harden clay. And what happens is, is every person is going deeper in Christ They will be challenged at times where they come to a fork in the road and they will be challenged that they're either going to be melted like wax about some things or they're going to respond by hardening their heart against the Lord and they're going to go the other direction. But there's a fork in the road before them. And you're going to have many of those in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have many times in your life where the Lord begins to deal with you about something maybe you didn't realize was in your life. And how many knows that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to see things about ourselves that we don't see? And Him to do a work in our lives. 
So I'm going to give you some things, but I feel in my spirit that we, everybody, collectively, we're at a fork in the road. We've had a lot of powerful prophecies over this ministry, and they're going to happen. They're going to happen no matter who's here when it happens and who's not. They're still going to happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many knows the Lord doesn't have to have me or you? If he wants to, he can go out and save somebody and anoint them and use them. I just don't want him to pass me by. If he's going to move, I want to be at ground zero. But there's some things I feel like the Lord's about to clean house, and, and everybody needs to really humble themselves because the same fire of the Holy Spirit that's so wonderful that we enjoy is actually tormenting to people that refuse to get things out of their life. They, they can't stand it. That fire will literally, literally drive them out of the presence of God. That's why there's some people that are no longer among us. And I'm not naming any names, so don't start thinking that I'm thinking of somebody when I say that. I'm talking about over a period of time. I'm talking about, you know, different, different people. So don't think I'm zeroing in on somebody. But there's people that were here for a time, and the Lord started dealing with them, and that same fire that is consuming us and sets you on fire and changes you and purifies you, if you refuse to repent and refuse to deal with this stuff, the same fire will drive you right out of here because God won't have hypocrites in his fire. He won't. He'll drive you right out of his presence, and you won't be able to come back in his presence until you deal with it. I don't know why some people play church and why some people have church, and I really don't care. To me, church is not what a lot of people think church is. Church is meeting with God. That's what it is. It's getting in his presence, spending time with him, learning the Bible and being, becoming more like Jesus and doing what Jesus did, taking the gospel to the street, seeing people saved, seeing people healed. But for us to have what the early church had, and we will, for us to have it, we're going to have to live the same life the early church lived, which was a sold-out life. I think a lot of the reason for the games people play in America is because there's not persecution. Let the fires of persecution come in their life where they're literally looking at a gun barrel or they're looking at some kind of sword to their throat for the gospel, and I guarantee you the hypocrites will run and the real will lay down their life, and there will be a big division between all of that. But see, when you have a society where you can be however you want to be, that's, that kind of breeds that. But when you have persecution like you do in other parts of the world, there's no playing games. There's no playing games. Your life's on the line. Why in the world would you confess something unless you're willing to die for it? But I believe those days will come in America. Before the Lord returns, I believe it. All right. So here's some things about purity. For God to move in and through you, he's got to purify you. All right. So the first thing we've got to do, we've got to make sure that we've learned how to walk in forgiveness and let things go. And the Lord will allow you to keep getting burned, believe me, I've been there. Keep getting burned until you learn it. The Lord will allow things in your life until you learn to begin to walk in forgiveness the way that he wants you to. Because nobody had to walk in forgiveness more than Jesus. 
Jesus was betrayed by people close to him. He was betrayed by his people, and he was betrayed by all the soldiers that were there. Think about the people, the very people that he healed were most likely in that crowd that were yelling, crucify him. And so for the Lord to walk in forgiveness, he wants us also to begin to lay down our lives and learn how to walk in forgiveness. And I feel like that that is something that a lot of people here have already prayed about. But you've got to listen to me. You've got to remain walking in forgiveness. Because as you're going to see a move of God, there is going to be persecution and attack of the devil. And that means that there's going to be some things that all of us are going to have to forgive. Because I've been a part of different moves of God, and I've been around revival for a long time, and I know what I'm talking about. I've studied it in church history as well. Because of these things, I know the price that you have to pay for revival, and I know it's a heavy price. Because we talk about revival. All revival is is just simply seeing the book of Acts once again, true Christianity the way it's supposed to be lived out. But it's sad because... The church of America, especially around here, is so beneath that. Why? Why has the church settled for things that are clearly far beneath true Christianity? The second thing that we need to deal with is our hearts and our mouths. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the mouth later on in more depth. But look at this. Our thought lives and our hearts, our mouths. Romans 12, 2 says that we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to stop allowing things to be entertained in our minds that are not supposed to be there. Everybody's going to have thoughts and things come into your mind that don't need to be there, but you dismiss those thoughts and you think on something else. But listen to Psalm 19, 14. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the Lord wants us to have purity in our thought life. Amen. Does everybody follow me? This is something we've got to discipline ourselves about because, you know, the people... In the church world that fall into sin, whoever it is, it is usually uh, has something to do with either sex or money. That's usually where it is. Because the deep issues of people's hearts when it comes to lust and when it comes to greed that they have not dealt with, the enemy comes in and seduces them away from the Lord. And the Bible says judgment begins in the household of God. And people that are humble and sincere before God are not afraid of God's judgment. I'll tell you why. Because when the sword of the Lord comes, if people humble themselves down, the sword of the Lord will pass over them. But those that stand upright in pride and arrogance justifying their sin will be cut down. So people that are humble and sincere before the Lord, they're the real deal. They will humble themselves underneath the judgment of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? But judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and what judgment is is God cleaning house and purifying. 
exposing sin and dealing with sin, which is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. Amen? But our eyes, we've got to be careful what we're entertaining with our vision, with our eyes when it comes to entertainment. What goes in your eyes and what goes in your ears has a lot to do with the quality of your life. And this, in, this includes the company that you keep. Because the people that you hang around are continually affecting what you're hearing. But listen to what the Lord says. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole, bo- bo- your whole body sorry, is full of darkness. If then light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So the eye, if your eye is clear, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is defiled, then you're full of darkness. So what you gaze upon has a lot to do with your purity. If you keep looking at things and keep entertaining things, it will get in you. Remember that Lot pitched his camp towards Sodom, but he was way outside the city. Next thing you know, he's right next to the city. Next thing you know, he's inside the city. And then before too long, he lost his whole family to perversion. And even his daughters that escaped with him. Not going to get into that. But it was... uh, It was something when he set his tent toward Sodom, what his eyes were looking at seduced and drew his family into perversions. And you have to be careful because what you're gazing at, what you watch on television, what you look at on the Internet, all of that, it has an effect on your eyes which affects your mind and affects your heart and affects you as a person. And don't expect the Lord to be giving you spiritual vision and spiritual revelation and using your eyes if your eyes are full of darkness. Don't expect to be hearing the voice of the Lord speak to you if your ears are full of filth because you're listening to stuff you shouldn't be listening to. And I'll keep going through this, but those that truly respond... I believe that God's going to increase the anointing. I really do. And I believe that his, his presence will increase. And I believe that things that have been prophesied for years are about to come forth. But the Lord wants to see not just lip service in all of us. He wants to see that you're serious about it. You know, I'll tell you what the Lord is tired of. He's tired of people saying one thing and then doing another. That's what he's tired of. He's tired of people making some haphazard little commitment on, you know, a Saturday night. And then by Monday, they're already backslidden. He wants us to be 100%. And it's not just something that we do temporarily, but it's something that we live the rest of our lives. Because once the Lord has stretched you and changed you, you'll never really truly be the same. And if you go back, you'll be more miserable going back than you ever would have before. Because once you've been touched by heaven and God's done a work in you, literally, you're altered and changed forever. No matter where you spend eternity, there's people that will be in church that play games that will be in hell. But God still touched and moved in their life because he loved them. But still, throughout their life, they were still different because of being around the kingdom of God and what God was doing. The next thing is, is our attitudes and submission to authority. Hebrews thirteen seven, 
Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So let me read that again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that is not profitable for you. So whether it's children obeying their parents and submit to that authority or in the church, wherever it is, come under authority and submit to authority. You know, even at work, you may not always agree with every decision that the boss makes or whatever, but you still got to do it and submit to authority and have a good attitude. But that, that attitude of submitting to authority has a lot to do with God using you and I. Because as things are right there, if there's rebellion, there's not going to be a flow. But if things are right, let's give you an example. You know, if we set up parameters about praying for people in the altar time, like in an outcry or something, and I told people to, to make sure and do it a certain way, and somebody said, well, you know, I'm going to do it a different way. It doesn't matter how anointed the person is. The person could be the most anointed person in the world. But just by virtue of the fact that they're in rebellion when they're praying for people is going to hinder the flow. You see what I'm saying? And if they would just come under authority and do it the way that they're told, there's going to be a, a great anointing released. All right. Letter G. Let the words of our mouth... Be something that pleases the Holy Spirit. Now, here's one I wanted to get to, and I'm going to kind of dwell on this. But gossip, slander, and Loshan Hara, and I'm going to explain Loshan Hara here in a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I tell you, listen, let me read Matthew 12, 36. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've ever spoken. Now, here's the thing. God's, God will forgive and cleanse and wash you and give you a clean start, okay? But things that you do not get under the blood of Jesus and repent of, one day it's going to be like a tape recorder, and you're going to have to sit there and listen to all the stuff you've said and give an account for it. And Jesus goes on to say in that passage that by your words you will be condemned or by your words you'll be justified. And so the things that come out of our mouth Jesus said it's not what goes in your mouth that makes you unclean, but it's what comes out. So let me explain about the gossip and slander, and I'll come back to it here in a minute. Gossip is spreading other people's business around. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know something about somebody, and you go around and you're telling it to others. That's gossip. You're spreading people's business. You're telling people's business to other people that it's not their business. And there's really no reason to do it other than the fact that people, it, it seems like some people have a tendency toward that because there's something in them that feels satisfied doing it. It's like they draw some kind of a satisfaction by hearing some juicy morsel, you know, about somebody else and then passing it on. I don't know if it makes them feel better about themselves because they're talking down about another. I don't know what it is, but it's like something in them is satisfied in doing it, and they enjoy it. But the thing about gossip and slander and all of that, just like you'll take a pillowcase full of feathers and cut it open on a windy day and let all the feathers out, you'll never be able to get it all back. And once that stuff starts, 
there's things that we can say that you can never get it back. And it affects so much. Also about slander. Slander is where you talk bad about people behind their back, where you run them down. Now, all of us have got to break bad habits because before we became a Christian, that was something that was probably with everybody. You hear what I'm saying? Once you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you and you start changing and breaking these bad habits. But what I feel the Lord saying is, is he's wanting us to break these bad habits now. Because what you got to understand, when the Lord increases the anointing on your life and you have more spiritual authority, your words can cause more good or more damage. Did everybody get that? That's why a week or two ago, whenever I was talking about and I explained what witchcraft is, and I told you, don't pray your will over other people and don't speak things over other, over other people that is your will or it's not the will of God because your words have power. But once you start growing in the anointing and going to new places in the spirit, what happens is, is that your words have more power. And so if you're using your mouth for evil, it can cause more damage in somebody's life. So the Lord doesn't want to keep taking you up to new levels of authority and new levels of anointing until you're ready for it. You know, I heard the expression about giving a machine gun to a monkey. You know, how scary of a thought that is. But some people, if you gave, if you gave them too much spiritual authority, it would, it would, they would end up being judged on Judgment Day for it because they would use it wrongly at times. You hear what I'm saying? So the Lord wants to purify and cleanse you and take you to a place where he can entrust you with more authority and you will not use it wrongly. So don't pray your will over other people. Pray the will of God. Be careful what you speak over other people. And, I, you know, all of us as Christians, I'm not speaking down to anybody. All of us have got to work on these things and be careful what we say. And what we need is people around us that whenever we say something that we shouldn't say negative, we got a Christian friend or family member that'll just gently say, hey, you know, you don't want to say that. And then you kind of come to yourself and go, you're right. We need that in each other. Amen. And so when we're humble, we can have, we can help each other out and talk to each other about stuff like that. Nobody will get mad. But whenever there's a lot of pride going on and somebody mentions that, you, you know, they're not going to receive it and they're going to get mad. I wrote about this in one of my teachings on Facebook. The Bible says don't rebuke a scorner, but a scorner is just somebody that's, you know, angry and, and, and in a prideful way and they're, and they're in a rage or whatever. If you try to rebuke them, they're going to hate you for it. But it says if you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you for it. So the words of our mouth, we've got to be careful that now as Christians and now as God is sanctifying and purifying us, and doing a work in all of us, he's doing a work in me, he's doing a work in you, as he's doing a work in us, that we begin to break any old habits and we begin to change and be careful what comes out of our mouths. So stop and think. The next time you're talking, make sure I'm not going to spread people's business around. Even if somebody's wronged me or burned me, I'm not going to be running them down. And here's what the Lord showed me, because I was asking the Lord one time about this, because being in the ministry, there's a lot of information that comes to you, and there's things that you have to tell people, you have to, to protect them. 
And so I was asking the Lord one time, I was like, please help me understand how to draw the line. One of the things the Lord told me that really helped me was this. And he gave me an example. He said, if you're out and somebody that you know burns you and it really upsets you, it hurts you, and you go home, he said, instead of using your mouth to run down the person, he said, because you'd be using your mouth for evil, he said, why not use your mouth to pray for the person and also speak a blessing over them? Because he said, when you do that, you're actually going to start seeing positive change. Whereas if you're just in the flesh and you're venting and you're saying things you shouldn't say, all that's going to do is make things even worse. Does that help anybody else? Because when the Lord told me that, it really helped me. All right. I'm going to come back to Loshan Har at the end, and we're going to pray about that. The last thing is, is our actions. We've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. The Bible says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? That means go into his presence. Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in idols or swear by a false god. They will receive the blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, God of Jacob. Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, your hands are not doing things that they shouldn't be doing. How many people come to church and they lift their hands, but then they go home and use those hands to fondle somebody that they don't need to be fondling that's not their spouse? How many people come to church and they lift their hands and worship God to go home and wrap their hands around things that they shouldn't be drinking? They shouldn't be smoking or turn pornographic pages that they shouldn't be looking at. You hear what I'm saying? And they're worshiping God, but yet there's a double standard and their hands are defiled. Your actions, the things you participate in, will defile people's lives. And then they wonder, why is it everybody else gets touched at church but me? Why is it everybody else has all these testimonies and I don't? Why is it? Well, listen, if you'll get the stuff out of your life, then God will start moving in your life in a powerful way. Amen? But here's the thing. When it comes to having clean hands before God, don't expect God to flow through your hands with awesome power if you're going to use those hands and that body in an evil way. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Lord is looking for clean hands and a pure heart. All right, I want to talk real quick about flowing in revelation. God has put gifts in all of us. But some of you maybe have never seen the Romans 12 giftings. This is just my opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion. I believe Romans chapter 12, a lot of that has to do when you get born again. When you get born again, it is a literal birth. Your DNA starts changing. I believe that's literal. I really do. Your DNA changes. Your personality changes. The Bible says you become a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. You are a different human being. So it really is a new birth. So whenever you're born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and changes you from the inside. You are a different person. You no longer want to keep living in sin. Somebody that wants to keep living in sin has probably never been born again. 
Because when you're really truly born again, you don't want it anymore. Your desires change. All of a sudden, you keep talking about Jesus all the time, and your old friends just don't get it. You're like, man, you are weird. There's something different about you. I don't know what happened, but you look different. And they'll say things like that because you are different. So whenever that happens in your life and you're really born again, it's the real deal. I believe that with that infusion of the Holy Spirit coming in you and Christ's DNA coming in you, that God also changes you and gives you gifts. I believe, in my opinion, these are kind of gifts from the Father. It doesn't say that, but this is just my opinion, okay? But listen to what it says. For the, by the grace given to me, I say every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 3. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now listen to these other list of giftings. This is really interesting. If, if your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is teaching, then teach. If your gift is encouragement, encouraging others, then give encouragement. If your gift is, give, if your gift is giving, then give generously. It, if it is to lead, that means administration, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So that's an interesting list of giftings. But I've seen people over the years that had a gift of service. They just had a servant's heart and they served. I've seen people over the years that had a gift of encouragement. You would get around them and they would encourage you. They would build you up. I've seen people that had a gift of giving and they would give generously. Others had a gift of administration. They were just good at administration. They were good at things like that at getting a group together. They seem to be natural-born leaders. You could entrust them to be in charge of something and know that it's going to get done well. I've seen people that had the gift of showing mercy. Everybody else gave up on that guy. But there's this one person that's still like Mr. Mercy, you know, and just showing mercy to him. I believe that these gifts, when you get born again, the Father puts some of these things in you. Then there's the gifts that come from Jesus. Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ, gave, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is the gifts that Jesus has sown into the body of Christ. And it is for us being brought to maturity. We reach unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Christ has given the fivefold ministry into the body of Christ to mature it. That's the gifts of Jesus, if you will. Then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These kick in. The gifts of Jesus come when you're called into the ministry. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit come into your life through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. 
Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. That's a word of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge or a word of knowledge. To another faith. To another gift of healing. To another the gift of miraculous powers or working miracles. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. That's discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different tongues, and to another, interpreting tongues. All of these work in one and the same spirit, and he distributes them as he determines. This comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And see what the problem with a lot of people out there is? And some of you guys that's worked on different things can relate to this. If somebody gave you, they wrote down for you at work, and they wrote down you were going to be working on a big piece of machinery, this piece of machinery had a lot of bells and whistles to it, and they, they wrote down, they jotted down a bunch of stuff for you. Turn this knob 45 degrees to the right. Push this button, then this one, then this one. Do this, this, and this, and this. And you're looking over this thing going, okay, you know, I've got the instructions. But until you actually see the machine and touch it and actually do it and experience that, it's hard to really do what you need to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because things that are in theory, you have to take things that are in theory, but you also have to combine them with experience. So let me explain it this way. The reason why a lot of people don't understand the gifts of the Spirit is because they've never experienced it for themselves, and they're trying to just read something, but they have no experience. And because they don't have any experience, they don't really fully understand. Does that make sense? It's just like the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you given a heavenly language. Jesus said all. He said everyone who believes, Mark 16, these signs will follow all that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll drive out demons in my name and they'll speak in new tongues. Because that's your prayer language. You hear what I'm saying? But see, somebody that's never experienced any of that they don't understand it but there's a difference between your prayer language which is there all the time there's a difference between that and having a message in tongues with an interpretation but see somebody that doesn't it has no experience they don't understand that how many knows the kingdom of god the bible is not just there to be read but it's to be lived we're supposed to have experience with god all right. And this is what I want to close down with, is just giving you some practical stuff about praying for people. Then we're going to pray at the end. But vision and hearing has a lot to do. I'll use, I'll use Jeff as an example just because all of you guys know Jeff Baldwin, and, and he's so obvious at this one thing. When he prays for people, if you've ever noticed with Jeff, He'll always stop and pull back for a minute and think, and then the Lord will show him something, and then he'll pray. Did you guys ever see that? All right. That's a good way to be. Everybody's different, but I'm just saying I'm using him as an example because it's so obvious the way he, the way he is, you know. He's so real. I mean, you guys love Pastor Jeff. Amen. All right. He's a blessing. But he, he wants to hear from God before he proceeds praying for people. 
because he wants to be in the spirit. I remember one time there was a guy, and I really liked this individual. I had a night job, and uh, one of the things I had to do was go through a certain area at night, and he, he lived there. And so I'd always stop there and would have a cup of coffee with him and talk. And he was, I believe he was a Christian. But unfortunately, he got sucked in to um, that whole anti-revival. It was through some books. I'm not going to name the author, but it was that whole anti-revival thing, okay? And he was real critical. He was kind of angry. He didn't understand the Holy Spirit, but he was a nice guy. I mean, I enjoyed spending time with him, and I would try to talk to him about it. But he just had a hard time understanding because, again, he had absolutely no experience. See, the thing is, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, which Jesus said that they were going to go to hell, if you read the Bible. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, Jesus said you will die in your sin, but yet they knew the Bible probably better than anybody except Jesus that was there. Did you realize that? They studied and memorized the Torah, the prophets, the old, what we call the Old Testament, from the time they were little bitty kids. They could quote large passages of the Bible verbatim as a child. They knew the Bible. They studied it. But see, you can know the Word of God and still become an enemy of the things of God. There's people out there that aren't, aren't even saved, that are very antichrist, but yet they've studied the Bible just, for, just to have knowledge. It's like they've studied the Quran or whatever. Just because you know what the word says, you have got to also have the experience of Jesus Christ in your life. It's not just enough to know the Bible. You do need to know it, but you've got to have a revelation of Jesus and you've got to have a relationship with him and you've got to experience him. For the word of God to become living in your life and really mean something. But see, when you're praying for people, and many of you will be praying for people down the road, you need to, just like we call it the hot seat whenever God is showing you some things, and you guys know what I'm talking about that's here. When God's giving you revelation, you see what God's showing you. God will give you something, and then you are communicating that to the person. Whenever you're praying for people, you've got to learn how to let the Lord show you something and then for you to interpret what he's showing you and, and release that to that person. And that comes with letting the Lord use you and keep using you and keep using you that you mature in that. But a lot of it will be visual. How many of you guys and I know some of those young people are visual because they've told me some things God's shown them, and it was awesome. But how many of you guys are visual? Whenever you spend time with the Lord, you're worshiping, you're praying, God will show you something. Other people are not as visual, but they'll hear something from the Lord. But see, as you, as you begin to be used, and I pray that you sincerely get this and remember this, but as you begin to be used praying and ministering to other people, we can call it the altar ministry or whatever you want to label it, but it's basically when you're praying for other people and you're operating in the gifts. You're under the anointing. And the Lord is wanting to bring healing through you to hurting people. He's wanting to bring deliverance and freedom 
to people that are in bondage. He's wanting to bring revelation to somebody. You're the window. You're the one the Lord is wanting to come through. And the way that you're going to get things from the Lord, many times he will show you something or you will hear something, and you've got to learn how to communicate that. And these things come with doing it. I could give I could give a lot of examples of things. I've seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, but but with me it seems to move pretty quick as I'm praying with people, but the Lord will either show me or speak to me something and it'll and it'll be released to them. So here's some things. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But see, we need a fresh anointing on our lives, a fresh anointing to come over these giftings. And so when we're used in the gifts, it's easy because there's an anointing there. The Holy Spirit is using you. But number one, the vocal gifts, there's nine gifts and they're broken up into groups of three. The vocal gifts are prophecy, tongues, interpretation. But there's been many times that God gave me a prophetic word for somebody. In fact, probably every one of you that I'm looking at, God's given me a word for you at some time. And if we took the time, we could go through and you could tell me a lot of it that has happened, especially with my wife and daughter. There's been a lot of things that, you know, we've prophesied that's come to pass, etc. But prophecy is just the Lord speaking through you. That's all it is. It's not necessarily predicting the future. There may be somebody that you have no idea how how broken and they may be sitting there in an altar you've never seen them before in your life and you're praying for a bunch of people and you get to them and they really hate themselves they've dealt with suicide they've been through a lot of abuse in life and you may come up to them and the lord just simply just tell you to tell them you know jesus really does love you and that person because it's the lord you don't even know them but it's the lord it's the word of the lord when it comes out of your mouth it hits them and instantly the power of that word begins to bring healing in their life. And they think to themselves, wow. And you may have a word for them, something like, the Lord was with you when you were a child and you were abused. And see, they don't know you, and they know that there's no way you would know that. And so automatically they're being healed because they're realizing, hey, wait a second, the Lord really does love me, and he was there, and he cared. And they may have never realized that before. All right. The next one is revelation. So the Lord may give you a prophecy. He may give you a message in tongues, interpretation for people. But he also may give you revelation. I'll never forget one time in the Brownsville revival. You know, Steve was there. He was really preaching his heart out night after night for souls. And he's preaching along, and all of a sudden he stops and he yells out, there's a military guy here by the name of Scott. Now, I was thinking to myself, I'm not a military guy. But anyway, he says, there's a military guy here by the name of Scott. You're away from God, and God's been trying to deal with you for years, and you're tired of taking orders, and you're tired of being told what to do, but the Lord says, get down here now. And there was, listen, there was a military guy that came down and got saved that night. And there were thousands of people there, so how in the world – would, would Steve have known? You don't, that was just a word of knowledge. See, a word of knowledge is where you know something that you shouldn't know. But see how many knows the Lord was concerned about that military guy getting saved that night. 
The next one is a word of wisdom. You may be in a difficult situation in life, and God, all of a sudden, there's somebody that says, hey, wait a second, well, why don't we do this? And it just fixes everything. And everybody just kind of looks at him like, where'd you get that? It's a word of wisdom. Jesus had all the gifts at work all the time. But I love the story where the Pharisees had him in front of the Romans and he had him, had him in front of the Jewish people. And the Pharisees thought, we're really going to get him this time. Because the Jewish people hated paying taxes to Rome. And the Romans knew that if they didn't pay taxes, that they were, there was going to be some serious problems. And so Jesus was up there teaching, and the Pharisees came and said, is it lawful for you or for us to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus is in a situation where if he said yes or no, he would have been in trouble, right? If he said no, you shouldn't pay taxes, it would have started a revolt. And if he said, well, yes, it should have, a lot of the Jew Jewish people would have got mad at him. But Jesus said, somebody throw me a coin. I'm going to make it... Um, I'm going to make it Texan right now in the story, okay? So Jesus says, throw me a quarter. And somebody throws it to him. He says, all right, whose inscription is on, whose picture is on this quarter? And they said, well, it's Caesar. And he said, all right. He said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God. And that killed the whole thing right there. See, that was a word of wisdom that totally diffused a situation that could have got hostile very fast. A word of wisdom sometimes will literally diffuse a situation just like a stick of dynamite and here it is it's just burning away and all of a sudden the fuse is pulled out a word of wisdom can do that discerning of spirits is a very important gift of the holy spirit that i encourage you to pray about getting in your life if you don't have the gift of discerning of spirits the word discernment means to understand but it's it's you understand what's of god and what's not That's a big deal. And we're going to need that in these end times. In fact, I will go so far as to say every church, no matter who it is, needs at least one person in their congregation that has the gift of discerning of spirits that can help distinguish what's God and what's not. And it's going to become increasingly important as, we, as we're in these end times. The last gifts are the power gifts. The gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of working of miracles. The gift of faith is awesome, and I'm really thankful for that gift because when the gift of faith kicks in, you believe God for things you could never believe him for on your own. The whole time that gift is going, you're believing for some amazing things. The gift of healing, I don't know how many times over the years that I had the, the opportunity to pray for somebody. If they'd fall out or something like that, then I would hear. They'd say, you know, I got up and I went home, and I noticed the symptoms just disappearing. So that's a gift of healing. It's not necessarily instantaneous. It may take over days or a couple weeks. But the working of miracles is something pretty spectacular. Jesus walked on water and defied gravity. That's a miracle. Jesus took just a few fish and he fed thousands of people. That's a miracle. Seeing an eyeball grow back in a socket. You know, seeing a leg grow out. Some of you guys have been privileged to see some pretty awesome things here, okay? In fact, we got one on video at Collision when Melissa's leg grew out. That was awesome. A YouTube sensation.
But, you know, here's the thing. We've got to believe God, though, that, that people that see that will come to Jesus. Because how in the world can you deny that? But the working of miracles is pretty spectacular. And uh, I really, every time I think about it, I think of, you know, Brother Anthony's ministry. But I'm so thankful for ministries like that. But here's the thing. I'm telling you by the Spirit, it's not going to be too long either that the gift of the working of miracles and signs and wonders and the apostolic is going to start coming out of this ministry a lot more than we've ever seen. Trust me. But we need to be able to flow in revelation for people to get revelation. There's sometimes that people in life are going through some terrible things. And sometimes whenever you're going through some horrible things in life, you're so emotional that it's hard to hear from God. It is. And you need to be able to come to church, worship God, and go down. And let me just say this. Every church, in my opinion, I, I don't even want to go unless I have confidence in that church. That if I'm going through something, I can go to that church and get prayer and something's going to happen. But somebody should be able to be going through torment in life and go to church and go down to the altar and get people to pray for them and have confidence that those people are going to speak the word of the Lord to them. And what I'm tired of, and I don't, I don't see a lot of it, and I haven't seen a lot of it, but I know it's out there, is, is all the, the fake stuff. Look, I've been around a few times, not very often, but some stuff that I knew was not real. But, man, I've been around some true prophetic words. And I'll tell you this to give you just one example. You know, Rachel had come here, and praise God, God healed her from cancer and hepatitis C and all that. It totally healed, and her life was transformed. She, was, she had about eight uh, different types of medication she was on for mental and emotional disorders, and she was healed from all that. And that's praise God. God did it. But here's the thing. Um, she was praying about and just believing God for a husband. And she goes down to the Bay of the Holy Spirit Revival. And she comes back, and she takes, she takes me and Sandy in, in a private place, you know. She didn't want everybody to know. And she said, you're not going to believe this, but Pastor Kilpatrick prayed for me and told me before the year was up, or I think it was like within six months or something. And you understand, this is a bona fide miracle. He said, within six months, you're going to be married. And she said, I couldn't believe it. And she said, well, she said, I guess it's going to be. And within six months, her and Mika got married. And nobody, you know, nobody ever pushed that. As a matter of fact, I, I didn't discourage it, but I was like, you know, don't try to make anything happen. Just relax, okay? If it's meant to be, that was my whole motto with them. But you know what? Within that time frame, she was married. See, the true prophetic word is awesome, and it should strengthen people's faith. Because when that word was given, there was, there was no possibility of that anywhere happening. All right. But we also need to move in power. We need to be able to pray. And I'm seeking God to go to new places myself. But I want to see more healings, more people delivered, more people set free. And another thing is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We should be praying for people that are sick, that are healed. We should be seeing it regular. We should be seeing people that are in bondage to the devil set free. That should be normal Christianity and not for me, but for you too. The point of this sermon is that you begin to move in the power of God. 
Because truthfully, you have just as much authority over the devil as anybody else that's a Christian. But also the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Once people have accepted the Lord, it's time that they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, clothed with power. Amen? And we need to be praying for people. I remember going through here praying one time. Um, this was a while back, actually, and I was at uh, the youth. And just going through, I felt the Lord say, baptize in the Holy Spirit. And literally, just walking through there, and there was quite a few there that night, people just busting out, speaking in tongues. God totally baptized the whole group in the Spirit. But we should be seeing that all the time. And you know what I believe? I believe, because it does not say in the Bible that it's a one-time experience, I believe that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit over and over and over throughout your life. Catherine Kuhlman said before every miracle crusade, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit fresh. Charles Finney used to talk about that. That's just my opinion. All right. We need a fresh anointing, impartation, and we should be flowing in that. But here's the last thing, expecting. Listen, there also needs to be an expectancy. You know, when you're praying for people, the anointing is within you. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, stir up what's in you through the laying on of hands. It's in you. The gifts are in you. The anointing's in you. And so whenever you go to pray for people, step out in faith and expect something to happen. When you're witnessing, if you pray for souls and, you're, and you rebuke the enemy and you go out there for, to win the lost, expect that people are going to be getting saved. Go out there expecting it. When you pray for the sick, expect something to happen. And the Lord will help you with this because the gift of faith will kick in, which kicked in one time when I was on the street, and I told the story, but that family got saved because I think it was appendicitis, but that lady was, was hunched over in Mexico, and she was in a bad way. And I could tell she was in a lot of pain. And, and I took the opportunity. I said, look, if the Lord heals you, will you believe in Jesus? Will you believe that he really is who he says he is? And she was in so much pain, I don't think she would have argued anyway. She was like, yes, of course. And so I prayed for her. But listen, the first time I prayed, I said, how do you feel? Nothing's changed. I, said, All right. I prayed again. How do you feel? Nothing's changed. The third time I prayed, it was like, pop, something left. And she, she stood up and couldn't believe it. She's like, "All oh, the pain's gone. But see, the Lord will use those signs and wonders. And you know what? She not only got saved, but I didn't even realize it, but her husband was right over here with a baby. And, and the whole family got saved. And, Sir, will you pray for our baby too? And then we gave him some information about a church to go to. But it's the power of God that will change things. You know, listen, years ago when I was doing street evangelism, you're always, young people hear me, you're always going to have some people out there that hate Christians. That's always just going to be there. There's going to be somebody that hates you because you're representing Jesus. It has nothing to do with you. Don't ever take it personal. But there's always going to be that. But back years ago, like 15 years ago, when I was going out to the streets and stuff, still there, there, was, a, there was a lot of respect, I guess, for the fact that we were out there and there was a lot of respect. But it seems like over the last 10, 15 years that something has changed in this nation. And now... God believe God's moving us to the place where we need to have the power of God on our lives strong. That it's not just words, 
but it's power. Because I don't see the respect I used to see. (laughs) I don't. There used to be more of a respect for preachers and more of a respect for the kingdom of God and more of a respect for the Bible. But it seems like over the last 10, 15 years, something's changed our nation. And what you need is you need the power of God. God gave me that experience with Vern, and I've told this before. He came over. It was, it was awesome because he came over to my house, and I always try to witness to people. I just talked to a guy at Starbucks from Africa. I'm like, where are you from? I don't believe. I said, it's okay. Where are you from? And he said, from Africa, and I joked around with him, and, and he smiled. And I left, I left him a pamphlet, though. Look, just, just because I joked around with him and left him something, I'm believing God he'll be saved. Amen. But here this guy is working at my house named Vern on an on AC unit. I tried to talk to him. He didn't want nothing to do with it. He said he worked with a preacher, preached to him all the time. He was tired of hearing it. I said, okay. Next thing I know, the power of God fell on Vern. I wasn't expecting it either. He got, he got red-faced. His lip was quivering. His eyes were tearing up. He was shaking, and he said, what's going on? And I said, well, that's the power of God on you, man. I, Jesus is trying to save you, Vern. You know, he doesn't want you to go to hell, man. And uh, he accepted the Lord. Why did he accept the Lord? The power of God. Because nothing I said at all made any difference. He said, I've already heard it. I don't care. So as far as me, I did a horrible job. I didn't accomplish anything, really. But when the Holy Spirit fell on him, he came to know the Lord. So we need the power. The last couple things is we have authority. Luke ten 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. You have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which represents demons, and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. So whenever you're confronted with the enemy, you have authority. But you've got to believe that. What good's it going to do for you to hear it? You've got to believe that for yourself, that you have authority over the enemy. When you rebuke the enemy, you have authority. And one of the ways I always pray, and I probably always will pray, when I pray for anybody that has a problem in life, the first thing I do is I'm like, Lord, if it is the enemy at work, I destroy it now. I bind it. It's going to get out of their life. I break its power, and I take authority over the enemy. And I've been, over the years, I've seen a lot of things get accomplished right there. But it may not be the enemy. Sometimes it's just somebody's just sick. You know, somebody's just going through stuff in life, and they're kind of depressed, and they don't necessarily need that. So that's Matthew 10.1. Jesus called his 12 disciples unto him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. You have authority over disease and sickness. Did you know that? That you can command sickness to leave somebody's body. You can command that that thing be cursed and to dry up and leave the body. Rebuke the enemy, but also take authority over sickness. Any of this that I'm talking about is an enemy. Whether it's a financial poverty or lack, that in and of itself is an enemy to somebody's life because they need provision. They need their needs met. Any sickness of any kind, whether it's demonic or not, it's still an enemy to be resisted and come against. Do you hear what I'm saying? Death is an enemy. You know how many times I've heard stories of a baby dying and then, you know, people praying and God, and God restoring life back to the child. 
But see, death is an enemy to be resisted. I hope this is helping y'all. Listen, you have authority over this stuff. You start rebuking sickness as an enemy. You start rebuking things and taking authority and commanding things to change. And Lord, I pray that that will get in there. And faith will get in there. Jesus said, from your belly will flow rivers of living water to the nations. It will flow. Rivers of living water will flow. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's power in your hands. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. When you're ministering to people, what comes out of your mouth will release the power of God. And and the laying on of hands releases the power of God. But that goes back to this right here, what I want to close with. You have authority to drive out the enemy. You have authority over sickness. You have so much authority. I could tell you stories in our ministry where I have seen taking authority and rebuking a storm and that storm changing. I have seen where the sick have been healed. I have seen with my eyes some awesome things. But we have authority to command these things by faith. But God's not going to flow through us with that type of authority and power unless we're living right. So this is where the rubber meets the road right here. I'm going to read some things to you, and I want you to get some things taken care of tonight. But I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to close out with Loshan Har, and we're going to pray about that. I mentioned that earlier. But there's six things the Lord hates. Seven are detestable to him. This is Proverbs 6. Haughty eyes, that's pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person that stirs up conflict in the community or division. Are these things in your life at all? And be listen, be honest with yourself. Do you have issues with pride? Do you have issues with dishonesty? Shedding innocent blood, it could be a lot of things like abortion, but it could also be um, a lot of times people assassinate others with their words. And that's kind of what I wanted to get to with Loshan Hara. In the Bible, Loshan Hara is just a Hebrew word for evil speaking. But in the Bible, the Bible says, Cursed be the man that strikes his neighbor in secret. Striking your neighbor in secret has to do with gossip and slander. When you talk about people behind their back. So let me give you some examples. The first one is gossip where you're spreading things. But even even to this extent, if something happened to another person, where they slipped and fell and made a fool of themselves at work or whatever, you know. And it's funny, everybody kind of laughed and they were okay, but they really they really don't want you going around repeating what happened. But yet you go around laughing about it and repeating it 
that's still Loshan Hara. Because I did a study on this. This really surprised me. Any type of gossip, any type of slander, running somebody down, sharing stuff about people that you shouldn't share, that they don't they don't want you to, that humiliates them. And I believe also Loshan Hara falls under the category of if you've ever seen people that will publicly humiliate another person. You know what I mean? And sometimes they're just joking, but still it, it, it affects the person. But Loshan Hara has to do with evil speaking of any kind. And listen, the Bible says, cursed be the man that does that. Now, what I've seen over the years, and I've done some research on this, and I'm not the only one that's preached this sermon, Pastor Kilpatrick, and I gave some of you guys that to spread around and listen to it. But also, Larry Huck wrote a book called Ten Things That Block the Blessing, and one of them was Loshan Hara. And I was reading over that, and I was, was kind of going back through these things. But what is common with people that are gossips and slanderers that go around saying stuff they shouldn't be saying about other people is they usually have a lot of chronic health problems. They usually have weight problems, and they usually have a lot of strife in their family because it's a curse. They're bringing themselves underneath a curse. And I hope you guys are hearing this because a lot of people have been raised in homes where their parents or different people around them have been that way, and they set a horrible example. Listen, we've got to change some things, even some things we've been raised around, change some bad habits that we've been doing. It doesn't matter your age. You know, you could be in school, and, and you could still be doing this. You could be at a workplace, and you're, you're pretty young or college or whatever, and you're still doing this business of gossiping and slandering other people. The Ten Commandments. Is there idols in your life, anything that you put before God? Do you have a habit of using God's name in vain? Are you keeping the Sabbath, which just means that you have a day, a week that you set aside and rest? Are you keeping the Sabbath? Do you honor your parents? Jesus said to hate somebody is murder, so do you have hatred in your heart? Jesus said to look with lust is adultery. Do you look with lust? The Bible says not to steal, not to lie, and not to envy what other people have. But did everybody get this sheet? You see the back of this. I want you to look at this. And I want you to be honest with God tonight and go through these things and let the Lord purify you and change you. And I'm believing God that as we pray about these things tonight that it's going to stop. You know, some people will come to a service like this and they'll pray about it, but then in a month they're going back to the old stuff. I believe tonight the axe is going to be laid to the roots. Amen? And there's going to be change. But I really felt the Lord is wanting to deal with Loshan Hara and deal with it strong and make sure that it goes. Because just like I told you not to be praying stuff over people, that's not the will of God. you got to understand, when you're gossiping or slandering and doing that stuff, there's a power in that. Did everybody get that? 
there's an evil power that can get behind it. And I have seen repeatedly over the years, I've been on staff at other churches and, of course, here, but I have seen people that got into a flow of that and they were used of the devil to destroy many lives. Because there's a power, there's an evil power at work through that gossip where now they're running down the preacher, they're running down people in the church, they're pitting people against each other, they're slandering gossip, and there's something that is trafficking through all of that that's not God. And before the Lord increases the anointing on you and I and takes us to a new level, and we're seeing more than we've ever seen, and we have a new level of authority, he wants to make sure that we're not going to use that authority in a wrong way. So in just a moment, I'm going to put on some worship, and I want you to pray, and that's what I want to do for the next little bit. And then I'm going to pray with people that want prayer, but I want you to find a place. Please hear me. Because I, I really believe that, that many of you listening to me, you're at a fork in the road. You're at a place where things are going to go one direction or the other. And the Lord is wanting to take you to a new level in him. But you're at a place where the way you respond to the Lord's word. Because this tonight that I preach, this is the word of the Lord. This isn't my opinion. I have everything on here has multiple scriptures. This is the word of the Lord. But the Lord wants to see how you and I are going to respond to his word and how we're going to deal with this. And so I want you to find a place where you can pray about this stuff and get it dealt with tonight, okay? But I want you to think about this. Be careful what you entertain in your mind. Be careful what you gaze upon. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful about the entertainment in your life. Be careful about the company you keep. There's some people that God has removed out of your life. They're yesterday people. My advice to you is leave them in yesterday. And be careful about the company you keep. Because you can sin in the air of Loshan Hora by listening to gossip you shouldn't be listening to. I mean, sometimes you're stuck, you're stuck around some things. I understand that. But if you're just sitting there listening to stuff you shouldn't be listening to, it's time to, to say, okay, I don't, I don't want to talk about that anymore, so let's just change the subject, okay? And there's a time to just put an end to it, okay? Because you can sin by participation. But be careful about the company you keep and saturate your life with the things of God and walk with God like Enoch did. Amen? So, Lord, as we're going to get into this, I'm asking you in Jesus' name for every person to really deal with this stuff thoroughly. Lord, I'm asking you for a deep circumcision of the heart, the Bible says. I'm asking you, Lord, what Catherine Kuhlman prayed, that you would reach in us and pull out by the roots anything that needs to go and kill it. I'm asking you, Lord, to lay the axe to the roots and that for the grace that habits are broken. And here's what I want everybody to pray this out loud. And then I'm going to let you pray on your own. But just pray this. Jesus, I ask forgiveness. Whether it's speaking it or listening to it. Any gossip. Any slander. Any type of lotion horror. 
repeating things, embarrassing others, telling things others would not want me to tell. Any sin with my mouth or any sin with my ears. Any thoughts entertained. Things my eyes have been looking at. Wash me in your blood. I ask you for the grace that you won't have to deal with me through the enemy, but rather by your Holy Spirit, you will convict me and change me. Even if it means I'm so convicted that I can't shake it and it affects my appetite, or my night's rest. Holy Spirit, deal with me and change me. Don't let me continue to do these things. I give you permission. And I ask you, Jesus, the word of God that was preached tonight is the washing of the water of the word and let that wash over me and cleanse me reveal to me anything I need to change I thank you for this being a turning point in my life in Jesus mighty name amen I'm going to put on some worship, and uh, we, can, we can cut off as far as live streaming. But I want people to pray tonight. And I believe this, your response will determine your future about some things. The Lord is wanting to use you guys in an awesome and a mighty way. But how you respond will have a lot to do with what goes on there.